Welcome to the Feeding the Starving Artist podcast. My name is Rick Goodstein, and with us again today is my friend, Ron McCurdy. Ron? Rick, one more time. How you doing, my good buddy? Yeah, let's do this thing. We've got uh, part two today of our conversation with Mike East. Uh, been a fascinating conversation so far about his life on the road uh, with touring Broadway shows. Uh, Mike currently is... Um, CEO and president of TTS Studios, which I'd like to get into a little bit today. But, Mike, let me go back all the way to that decision. A lot of young people graduate with an undergraduate degree, and at some point you decided that graduate school was what you wanted to do, and then you decided it wasn't something you wanted to do. I don't know if you can <laughs> remember that far back and kind of to walk us through that. All right. So, um I think it was maybe the like February, March of my senior year in college. And I had had a couple of like prospective job, you know, sort of opportunities. And uh, for better or worse, I, none of them appealed to me. Um, I was sort of, I didn't know what I wanted to be doing, but I knew that I didn't want to be doing those couple of things. And so I went to this uh what is it a trade show i guess you might call it uh usitt and uh ended up meeting quite a few people met a few people that uh belonged to different grad schools and grad school had been something i had experimented with uh, in terms of the idea of going to grad school but it was also not one of those things that i was just like man i can't wait to go to grad school um but in chatting with a couple of professors from san diego state university actually got very excited about the idea because uh, I was always very interested in the idea of automation and sort of the higher level engineering that goes into some of the bigger mechanical structures in 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 the entertainment world. And that's what they specialized in. So I was like, well, this sounds great. Also, living in California sounded great. Ron, I'm not sure about that, but what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so it, it seemed, it, it felt like a door opening, uh, which sort of evolved into like a lifelong uh, sort of observation of pattern, uh, I might say, uh, which all, all that to say is that if if it feels like a, an opportunity is presenting itself to me, uh, my gut is almost always, yeah, let's walk through that door. Let's see what happens. And that was that was the first one that I remember being like terrified of, <laughs> but also like, yeah, this feels right. Let's do this. Uh, so I went out there and it was great. Uh, San Diego was great. Uh, within the first three or four months of school, I was absorbing a lot of information about a lot of mechanical engineering stuff. And then the sort of like second semester started and a little bit of the like shining armor started to wear off. Right. And I didn't have any sort of a professional or formal like uh, TA thing going on. Right. Like I wasn't getting paid to teach kids or anything, but I found myself teaching all the kids, all the things, uh, specifically in like shop class. And so I started, you know, asking like, what is the next year going to look like? And what is the next year going to look like? And it seemed to be more and more of that, which was like, okay, great. I spent a semester learning and gobbling up a lot of information, but now that seems to have like paused or stopped. I don't, I didn't really know what was happening and it didn't seem like the next two and a half years were going to yield the same sort of growth opportunity that I was experiencing in that first semester. So I started thinking about maybe I don't go back to school. And then, uh, as I mentioned in the last conversation, uh, sort of got presented with the opportunity to 
uh, jump into the touring world as an assistant production manager. And again, door opened. I was all the way across the country, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> Walk through the door. You, you know, my, my, one, of the, one of the big topics that's happening in education and also in the workplace is the whole notion of work-life balance and wellness. Uh, mm -hmm. We learned so much from the pandemic in terms of uh, people working in offices, office spaces and being physically in, in spaces on a, on a consistent basis. But more importantly, people's attitudes toward working. How, how do you maintain, I mean, because I'm, I'm, you, you don't have a tedious schedule that you used to have in terms of pulling up, pulling the 12 hour days, I would imagine, but maybe you do, I don't know. But how do you, how do you balance the working part with just living your life? I don't know if you have family or not, but and just your own mental health, how, how do you address those kinds of issues in your, in your daily or weekly or monthly schedule? I assume reaching out for the wisdom of the uh, elders on the podcast uh, <laughs> right. that it's a lifelong struggle, right? I mean, work-life balance is uh, <laughs> an urban legend sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, I grew up pretty poor. And so for me, working was just part of life uh, early on. I had my first uh, real paid job on a construction site when I was 13. And so it was just kind of in me, right? It was in my bones that working hard is just part of life. And I, you know, it would be easy to look back and like regret that or have like negative feelings towards that, but I don't, I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm glad that I, I, I had that in a way. Would have been nice if we didn't live as, uh, <laughs> as, as we did all the time, but uh, certainly the work ethic that grew out of that, I think is uh, something for which I'm very grateful. The work-life balance didn't, really start to become uh, a priority until maybe even 10 years ago, right? So for a lot of the beginning of my career, my goal was always, let's work as hard as I can, get as you know advanced as I can, learn as much as I can, as quickly as I can, ultimately, so that I could have some financial stability, which I never experienced as a, you know, a kid growing up. And then kind of like arrived at stability, which was sort of a like, what is this? I don't, this doesn't feel right. And, you know, it was pretty programmed in me to just keep working hard, work, 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 work. So, you know, if you were to ask my wife, who has been uh, by my side for 19 years, uh, we met when I was a freshman in Clemson, she would tell you that, uh, you know, work-life balance is something that uh, she wished I would have focused on sooner than later. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, maybe maybe 10 years ago or so, it started to become a thing. I didn't really know what I wanted outside of work, right? Because everything was so work-minded. My career was my goal and my financial security was my goal. And so it was like nothing else mattered in a lot of ways. And I wanted relationships. I wanted, you know, to keep my wife um, and I wanted to have uh, meaningful relationships relationships with people that I cared about, of course, uh, but work was always the priority. There was sort of this, this precipice in 2015 or so, and that was when I started realizing that touring was not going to be a very sustainable thing for me anymore. That's when I started to sort of like realize that being gone five to seven months out of the year, it's like, cool, I've, I've, I've kind of like gotten where I wanted to go. Like, why am I still doing this? Right. But it was this weird, like, kind of like coming out of this haze of like, 
I don't know what to do with myself now. This is so weird. Like uh, <laughs> goals have been accomplished. That's amazing. But also like now what? Um, which is ultimately what started me down the path of maybe I'll start a business. So getting off the road, starting the business, the business, uh, I've, I've cynically shared this with Rick before. I never wanted to own a business, never wanted to run a business. But when I was looking around the room at my options, it sort of seemed like a lesser of evils in a lot of ways, um, because it was something that I knew I could be good at, or I believed I could be good at. And I knew that I had a built-in market with all of my colleagues that I'd been touring with. And so went down that path, but man, that was hard. Um, so mm. while, <laughs> while I sort of like made some positive adjustments from work-life balance in some ways, uh, I almost transferred them in another way, right? So I was home more, but the 12-hour days were still a thing, trying to figure out how to get everything to happen. Now I'm in charge of employees that I'm paying as opposed to being in charge of employees that somebody else is paying. So there's just a different level of stress that evolved, right? <laughs> and and then a few years go by and, you know, you, I don't know, you just, I, I think a lot of it comes with growing up, right? And then you just start to realize that some things are more important than others. And I think defining what those things are, defining those values, defining the things that matter to you is is hard in, in a lot of cases for a lot of people. And it's a scary thing to wrestle with. Therapy is an amazing tool for some of that stuff. Uh, speaking from experience, I jumped into that. I want to say like 2017-ish because um, I was sort of struggling with exactly this. It's like, what am I doing with myself? What have, what, what does the future look like? Do I really want to be owning a therapy or a business? Uh, all of those things. And then, you know, two years of going to therapy once a week helped illuminate a lot uh, in regard to that. So now, I don't know, what is that? Three or four or five years later, again, it's a, it's a, not a struggle anymore, but it's a constant thing that uh, we have to work on. So um, figuring out boundaries, figuring out, again, sort of what those values are, and then not defining those things, and then hoping that it'll all work out and becoming complacent about it, you know, you gotta, you gotta work towards that stuff. It's like mindfulness, you have to practice meditation, if you want to be good at meditating, <laughs> um, you have to try uh to prioritize time in a way that that puts you in a place where you do have more of a balance um, but all of it ultimately comes back to trying to define what that balance looks like and what that means i think i will always have uh no matter how much therapy i go through uh i will almost certainly always have this thing in the back of my head that's like you have to work your ass off like go keep keep moving keep moving and again i'm i'm proud of that and i'm glad that i have that and i wish more people had a little bit more of that to be honest but it's also nice being again growing up and realizing that uh some of that same energy can be put into uh a, a, a more uh not career driven set of goals but personally driven set of goals yeah. as, as a quick as a real quick follow-up what advice would you give to an aspiring artist or anybody who's looking to model career in terms of what, what would you tell yourself when you were 19 or 20 years old, thinking about launching a career that you know now. I have my Dr. Phil hat on today, so if, yeah, if thank you, you. I, I, want to, I want to give you a tissue if you need, if you need a tissue. Ah, yeah, what would I tell my younger self? Um, oh my goodness. I would say that the hard work pays off. And I would say that if, if there is an opportunity to start prioritizing that balance a little earlier, then, then definitely do that. Mike, let's jump forward owning a business right now. Mm -hmm. There are things you probably never 
studied or learned except through trial and error and so forth. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you have to do is look for business. You have to figure out how to market what you do, your skills, your company's capabilities to, to generate a work. How, how did you get to this point where you know how to market your stuff? So you have, you have employees you, that they need to eat. You need to pay for your insurance. You got to pay for your overhead, et cetera, et cetera. Talk a little bit about, you know, that kind of ideas, some of the, the business sides of things, what you're doing today. So it's interesting. A lot of the way that I talk about uh, the business nowadays is sort of pre-pandemic and then post-pandemic, right? Because mm, yeah. uh, that was a substantial uh, moment in all of our lives. So pre-pandemic, and again, going back to the sort of like lesser of evils decision of starting the company, I had a lot of built-in connections and a lot of built-in clients, which gave me the confidence to start the company because I wasn't sure how to sell myself and wasn't sure how to like go out and drum up work. I read books a lot because I want to keep learning and I want to keep growing. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a ton of accessible books out there on like getting your name out there and like, what are the things you should care about when you're starting a business? Um, a lot of it seems a little like self-helpy, but there's, and, and not every book that I've read is like cover to cover, really useful information. There's just usually little nuggets here and there. And so the, the early years, it was a lot of like, Hey, uh, I used to do this tour thing. You want me to build your tour? Maybe it'll be fine. I hope it'll be fine. Uh, and then it would be fine. And then that turned into quite a lot of word of mouth. So leading up to the pandemic, we were basically doing zero marketing, right? We were, we were, we had gotten to a place where every job that had come to us was either a repeat customer or word of mouth. And so we got a little, I got a little complacent about it. And then the pandemic happened and then the entire world shut down, right? Um, and that's probably a different conversation to jump into. But on the other side of that, once we started coming out of it, there was still not a lot of theatrical work. And I still wanted to, you know, try to keep the company running and keep my employees. So then we started experimenting in new sort of like fabrication uh, realms, right? So we got into like cabinet building for like 10 minutes and it was the worst decision we ever made. <laughs> it, it all pays some bills, but it was terrible. But found some like uh, brand activation stuff and some exper experiential marketing stuff and some like uh, sculpture creation stuff. So it's sort of not performing arts at all, which is basically all that we existed for previous to the pandemic but it was still in that creative lane. And so we started experimenting with a little bit of that. And then as we would try something, we would sort of say, hey, very transparently, we've never done this before, but we have all these tools and all these skill sets. Maybe this will be a useful you know, approach. And people took some chances on us and it ended up turning out pretty well for the most part. A few things that we won't talk about. But um, yeah. so, so that sort of like uh, segment of marketing was very like, Hey guys, we're just trying to survive and we don't know what the hell is going on, but maybe we can help each other out. Right. So it was very, again, like trans, uh, transparent, but it was, a you know, maybe a little desperate now that I'm thinking about it on the other side, but all that to say transition to earlier this year. And basically I could keep reading books. I could try and hire another like type of a COO or something like that, but it, it just started to become clear that as the theatrical work started to come back, and we had now developed this like leg of the business that was in the experiential activation side of the world. And then we had accidentally fallen into like high-end wedding fabrication. 
which is another, I, don't, I didn't know that people actually spent millions of dollars on weddings, but they do. And oh, wow. so we'll yeah. participate in that, I guess. Um, but figuring out how to like tell the story of who we are to like hopefully continue to get more of that so that when the next terrible event happens, it, hopefully it never does, but we're, we're a little more prepared. So I hired a business consultant, right? A business advisor, coach, for lack of a better word. And we've been uh, working with them for six or eight months now and it's all this stuff that like you know you need to do right like it's all the things that as a business owner you're like of course I should have a process detailed for everything that we do in our company of course we should have you know HR protocols of course we should have all these things but how the hell do you do it when you're also you know how do you how do you build the machine while you're running the machine right that's the that's the challenge so ask for help. I mean, we outsource things left and right. We outsource things for hardware. We outsource to companies to help us make plastic parts faster than we can make them. So why wouldn't we sort of apply that same philosophy to the, the mechanics of the business itself, right? Um, so nowadays, we're in a world where we have a marketing firm that we're working with, building a brand identity for the first time ever. Um, we have a new website that'll be launching in like two weeks. And I don't know if I told you this, Rick, but we're actually moving into a new building. Oh, nice. um, we're, we're doubling our square footage. Uh, we're going to be adding six more employees to the mix and, and sort of recognizing that the marketing advertising part of that is essential, right? Like we, we are great in the world that we're in. We have been very fortunate. We've been very, very privileged to sort of exist on this word of mouth sort of uh, mentality. But if we ever want it to feel a little less paycheck to paycheck in terms of how we operate, we need to be investing more in in getting our name out there. So the website will help. We've gotten a lot more active on social media, Instagram specifically. Um, just we've, we've now got some mechanisms in place for some cold calls. So we have a prospective client list that will sort of look at every week and decide, okay, this week I'm reaching out to these, these two people who I've never talked to in my life. Just quick, hey, hey, nice to see you. If you need some help, let me know. I'm over here. And if they want to engage in a conversation, then we'll engage in a conversation. Sounds like a lot of uh, juggling. How many employees do you have currently and growing to what? So we have uh, 16 full-time employees now by... The end of the second quarter in 24, we should be up to 22 full-time. And then we're projecting the end of 2026 20, having 30. Nice. I think one of the last times we sat on talk for a while, coming out of the pandemic, you were doing fabrication for restaurants. You were doing anything that could you could do with maybe three or four employees. And I think if I remember, that was about as bad as it, the lowest point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So glad to like, be brought back from that. So yeah, absolutely. Let me ask um, the same question that I used to ask you when you came to class, what specific skill sets or, or tools do you wish you would have had as an undergrad that have would have served you better? Maybe if I'd known that, I would have maybe skipped some steps in my school of hard knocks. It's interesting before um, before you jumped on Rick, uh, Ron and I were chatting a little bit about how uh, you know the digital age has affected so many things, right? When I was sort of coming out of college into uh, career time, like none of the social medias existed, right? So there was 
it was kind of still in that old school mentality world of like, we have to network. So you have to know somebody to know somebody, you have to know someone to get you the job. And then hopefully what you know, will keep you the job type of a thing. So it's hard to like, am I talking to myself back then? Or am I talking to a kid now who potentially already has all these things to access, right? If we're talking to somebody who has access to all of these things, I mean, I think I would be so incredibly overwhelmed by the different things that were available, right? Uh, if I was 22 years old in the same sort of mindset that I was back then, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know where to look. It's almost like there are too many options out there to really concentrate on. But the things that I think have sort of, again, revealed themselves as patterns throughout my career are the sort of behavioral, sort of psychological uh, understanding of humans and then the financial uh, side of the world, right? right I wish, right. man, I wish I had got my minor in finance, right? Not even not even as a business owner, just like to understand taxes, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> wouldn't the, man, we, we do such a terrible job of like uh, spreading knowledge, I think, as a society when it comes to just simple financial, just health and, and knowledge and well-being. But uh, I will, I will, cop that with sort of the behavioral science stuff right like i think that especially as a manager uh evolving into a management type of a role and then having to learn on the fly what makes different people tick for what different reasons i think that i could have saved years of strife of like oh, i wish i had not responded that way to that guy in that moment because i could have just recognized that oh, this is what he's going through. He didn't eat. He also didn't sleep very well last night. Of course, he's being an asshole. Okay, I'm going to give him some slack. I don't need to respond by also being an asshole, right? So I think that uh, having having a clearer understanding of what makes people tick uh, earlier in my career would have been probably the most beneficial. I think I could have skipped quite a, quite a lot of steps and quite a lot of headaches along the way. Having said that, and, and I'll actually thought about this too when I was listening to one of the the previous podcasts where it's just the two of you speaking about uh trying to give you know emerging artists and young people sort of uh the opportunity to not necessarily make the same mistakes that we all did right that's a great goal and all but I, I don't know man it, it's it's hard to imagine growth without mistakes sometimes you know mm -hmm. like I think that some of those trips and some of those falls and slips are what teach us better than anything. I think that we can learn a lot, obviously, by reading books and uh, listening to podcasts and having these great conversations. But at the end of the day, like some of those really big, meaningful lessons kind of have to be learned in, in those moments of like, mm, shouldn't have done it that way. Okay, <laughs> I'm going gonna, gonna to absorb that. Yeah. yeah. You know, Mike, I'm, I'm meeting you for the first time today. And I, I'll tell you, man, you have been a a tremendous inspiration. I mean, just to me, in, in this short time that we've had a chance to meet each other, and uh, well, I, I would I would love to have worked for you or worked with you or have some interactions with you years ago. But uh, I think what you, what you've shared with us uh, today is information that's going to really help an emerging artist or any person who will listen to our podcast. I think will benefit from the from the wisdom that you've shared with us today. This this has been very powerful. Uh, and we can't thank you enough for giving up your time to spend some time with us today to share your, your wealth of knowledge. So thank you so much. Very kind of you. Thank you. Yep. Mike, as always, it's a pleasure. Good to see you and uh, hope to run into you soon down the road. And thank you again. As Ron said, we can't thank you enough. And 
uh, helping us feed those starving artists out there. So um, make sure you uh, check us out wherever you find your uh, podcasts. And uh, until next time, Mike East, thank you so much. Ron, we'll see you soon. All right, right, my good friend. Take care now. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks.